Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio and for uh, Lisa Dent. And... As we talk about uh, baseball, we want to spend a few minutes talking about the loss of one of the best ever baseball announcers. Right. A true legend in broadcasting, whether or not you like baseball or follow baseball, there's a very good chance you know the name Vin Scully and the fact that he passed away last uh, week at the age of 94 years old, lived a full and wonderful life. And was apparently a really, really nice guy. I want to spend a few minutes on talking with our very own Andy Mazur because he wrote a tribute to Scully that I was legitimately moved by. It surprised me that it, 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 I, I read the, the last paragraph through tears because I thought, gosh, for someone to live a life and to be remembered this way, I mean, we all hope to be loved the way this tribute to Vin Scully was written. So, Andy, congratulations. That was some darn good writing. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to catch up with you guys as well. And, uh, yeah, you know, Vin was one of a kind. And You mentioned it. Uh, probably the best, uh, arguably the best to ever do it, uh, whether it be baseball. He did some football. He did some tennis. He's done some golf. Yeah. But uh, mainly known for baseball, obviously, with his 67-year career with the wow. Dodgers. And I can't even say Los Angeles because he started in Brooklyn. I mean, his first game had Pee Wee Reese leading off and had uh, Jackie Robinson in the lineup. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And you actually yeah. met him, and, and this was back in when you were with the Cubs, right? Back in '04. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I've been traveling with the team for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I, we finally got to L.A. You know, it's the only one time a year that we go there. And... I looked at Pat Hughes and I said, "Hey, there's there's got to be some way I can meet Vin, right?" And I was, you know, I, I've been doing a little play by play here and there for about a year, a year and a half at that point. And I had a ball, and the big geek in me wanted a ball signed by one of the greatest. So, yeah, no, really wait, you you actually took a baseball into oh, yeah. the booth to have him sign yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, I took a, I took a baseball. I I will admit it. I went against the credential. It says no autographs, please. Um, but. <laughs> There's there certain uh, certain exceptions you make to every rule, and I think he was the exception to that rule. And uh, you know, Pat Hughes stuck me in the back uh, after the game ended. There's a little private dining area where the the Dodger broadcasters were uh, would gather after the game. They have a nice little meal, then they go home. And I walked in there, and was for the first one of the first times in my life, I was actually speechless. I mean, he knew Pat pretty well from you know Pat being around for a while, and uh, he stood up to shake my hand. Which I thought was completely classy. He didn't have to. He didn't mm-hmm. have to even acknowledge that I was there. To be honest with you, uh, and he started engaging me in conversation about the fact that I was doing play by play and how it was going. You know, stick with it. You know, this and that. And uh, he saw the ball in my hand. I was too embarrassed to even have to <laughs> ask him to sign the ball. He's like, "Would you like me to sign that?" I'm like, "Yeah, please." Oh. I still have the. Yeah, I still have the ball. Oh, uh, sure. It's in my collection of, of a lot of the important memorabilia to me, and. You know, I, I had the opportunity to see him more often when I uh, went to the San Diego Padres in 2007. Uh, being in the same division, we saw those guys quite a bit. And there was one story that I, I actually almost literally knocked him down because there was a hallway with a ramp that went down toward the broadcast booth from the Peco Park press box. 
and it was a blind turn to go to the radio booth. And right next to the radio booth on that side of the uh, the broadcast center was the visiting TV booth. Now I was walking down and kind of you know in my own zone, getting ready for my broadcast. And I luckily I heard him humming because that's what he did to warm up for a game. He would hum, you know, whether it be a song or just you know humming and just mm-hmm. to kind of warm up his voice. He would walk up and down the hallway and just kind of get ready. And that's the only reason that I. I refrain from knocking him over. He's like, "Oh, well, close call right there." Yeah, you know, it was. It was. He was one of those down to earth kind of guys, and all the all the the things that are being said about him from various broadcasters throughout Major League Baseball, through various broadcasters throughout uh, other sports as well. Well, I'll tell you that they approached him for advice, and he was willing and happy to give it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a, there's a guy in San Diego right now who's doing their television broadcast who was an intern for a while and got to know Vin a little bit and then had to call Vin about a career opportunity in San Diego. And Vin said, hey, they'll love you there. Go, you know, do, do your thing there. And mm-hmm. it's just, he was just that kind of down-to-earth superstar, if you will. Never really thought he was more important than the game. And he always told the fan base that he needed them a lot more than yeah. they needed him. And it was completely opposite, in my opinion. Let, let me take you back to a young Andy Mazur. Now, you've spent a lot of time in Chicago. Chicago has some of the best sports announcers on the planet. What was it about Vin Scully that made you pay attention to him? And, and do you recall what your first exposure to him was? You know, you're going to find it hard to believe. But one of my first exposures to him was actually doing a Bears game. And it was in 1977, I want to say. It was late in the season, and the Bears needed a win to get to the wild card game, uh, to get to the wild card, and they were going to play the, the Dallas Cowboys, and they got smoked the next week. But Bob, uh, Bob Thomas, the kicker, kicked a field goal to win the game in the snow in Chicago, and I can hear Vin to this day, the Chicago Bears are the wild card team. And I watched the entire game, and I'm thinking, my God, this guy is awesome. Man. Mm-hmm. I just kind of felt, and I didn't really know a lot, a lot about him at that point. I was I think I was 10 years old or nine years old and there was no internet to look him up. Uh, so I, you know, I figured out that he was part of the Dodgers broadcast and, you know, back in those days, you still couldn't, even in Chicago, there was no, no opportunity to really get that, that broadcast. But I found out that he was doing some stuff for CBS radio as well during those times. So I got a chance to listen to him there. What was but it about was, his delivery that attracted you to him? His voice to me, is almost exactly perfect for what the game of baseball is. You know, baseball, obviously, there's no clock. You have no idea if you're going to be there for an hour and 45 minutes or if that's going to be the time of the rain delay or if you're going to be there for five hours. You never have any idea, which is the beauty and sometimes the detriment of the game itself. But there's a there's a style that he has. And I, I like to call it folksy and kind of down-home and mm-hmm. yet trusting because he was never wrong. But... Again, he never really wanted to, again, be big, bigger than the game. But his descriptions were so endearing. I mean, this is a guy that called a no-hitter, and this was before my time, but you know, he called a no-hitter for Sandy Koufax. And all he kept doing was talking about the time on the scoreboard clock so people could remember what time it was and where they were in Los Angeles when Sandy Koufax threw the no-hitter. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, also, he also had a knack of being able to let the fans tell the story at the game. He was never afraid to make the call and then, as we say in the business, lay out so that you could hear the crowd noise hmm. and then pick it back up. And it was in, he, he knew the right amount of time. He called that famous home run in the 1988 World Series where Kirk Gibson came off the bench, hobbled to the plate, 
that hit the game-winning home run against Dennis Eckersley. He called the ball. She is gone. And then for a minute and 15 seconds, nothing but crowd noise. Wow. And he picked it back it, up. It, it, what, was it true? Was that the game where he literally turned around because he didn't want to get caught up in the emotion? He wanted the, the crowd <laughs> to, to just carry the moment. Yeah. He, I mean, he obviously doing Dodgers games for as long as he had done, and now he's calling the World Series for NBC uh, with when this is happening. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, he didn't want to get caught up. And that, that was the beauty of him, too. I mean, he knew when it was – he was supposed to be impartial. He knew when he was doing Dodger games. He knew when he was doing, a, you know, a game that was just, uh, you know, on the radio for, uh, for a national audience. He had the wherewithal to understand moments. He understood the game. He was a student of the game. He had relationships within the game. And there's never going to be another guy, in my opinion. There's going to be a lot that are good. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great broadcasters out there. But this guy is so far up top of the mountain, Hmm. it's hard to see him with a telescope. I mean, that's how far up he is. Where can people read your fabulous piece of writing about Vin Scully? Yeah, actually, I just put it on my Twitter account, too, uh, at Andy underscore Mazer1. But you can read it at uh, Barrett Sports Media. It's a... uh, a blog uh, website for uh, a lot of industry folks go to uh, to read news and, and things that there are happening. And I happen to do some of the uh, the, the contrib- uh, contributions for uh, play-by-play guys and mm-hmm. uh, radio and television. And of course, that was right up my alley. And having gotten a chance to meet Vin, it was it was all from from the heart and from memory. And uh, yeah, you know, all the words that people have been saying about him, from my perspective and from my uh, interactions with Vin, are accurate to a T. And you're right. I mean, I could, we can only hope that people remember all of us yeah. that way and with such reverence and such, you know, and such style that, uh, that Vin, you know, I mean, he was, he was yeah. one of a kind. And we're going to see you in here on Wednesday afternoon because you're going to be stepping in for Kevin, who's going to be scooting up to uh, uh, someplace for a baseball game. But he'll tell us more about it. Andy, thanks a lot. We look forward to seeing thanks you Thanks so much, on Andy. Always great to talk you to you. You got it, guys. You Take care. Catch up with him. News coming up. Stay with us. Yeah.